I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Happy Thursday, everyone. Thank you for tuning into our second show of the week. Um, if you're listening to this, then you know that we've gone back to two episodes a week as it is the second season in the Hockey Podnet. So um, thanks for coming and listening to our second podcast this week. And and we have a lot of really awesome stuff for you on this one. Um, but first, I got to introduce, as per usual, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. I have, we, I've gotten over our argument from the Monday show where we were arguing about Christmas music for 15 minutes, and I'm excited this week because, or this episode, because we can get to talk about some ASU hockey, and we don't have to talk about sun tanning vaginas on this episode like we did on the Sunday episode. But to have more fun stuff coming up in random shit, we also get to talk about uh, Apple Music in this episode, and and we're going to be debuting a new thing, um, Coyotes related, where we talk about some of the best and worst stories of the Coyotes for 2020, and we're going to begin that series on this episode too. So it's a it's a happy Thursday. It is a good Thursday, and and. I know we had our little disagreement on Christmas music, but it's okay because you're wrong. Oh, stop it. You're just simply wrong, okay? Michael Buble, Christmas is the best. <laughs> speaking. Okay, but speaking of music. Yes, that's it. That's speaking. We... Go ahead. We're talking to each other. We're just we're just screwing this this episode up already, um, but uh, speaking of music, we wanted to talk about our um, Apple Music replay for 2020. We neither of us use um, Spotify. We are Apple Music people, so we both had our replay. The only thing is, um, I don't have albums on mine. I don't know why I don't have albums on mine. I saw other people had albums on theirs. And, like, it's not like I don't ever listen to, like, albums through. I do. I don't know why it doesn't have it on there. But mine doesn't have it. Um, But Richie's does. So Richie can talk about his. But um, I... Mine really wasn't that exciting, considering the fact that um, I have a playlist on apple music that's called good shit and um i I asked everyone to name it a while back and no one could give me a good name so i just eventually just named it good shit and um most of my songs are um all from that playlist so it's just a bunch of songs that i play in that playlist but the the weirdest thing that came out of mine is that my top listened artist was power music workout with 19 hours. That is a playlist that Apple Music created that is called Power Music Workout. 
I worked out a lot during quarantine. Um, that's that's what happens when you're stuck in your house and, and you need to do some type of physical activity. So I I don't know why that is my, my top one, but mine that's my top artist. Then I have Taylor Swift, which you can appreciate. Halsey, Selena Gomez, and All Time Low. What's funny is then it goes Post Malone, Blink-182, the Machine Gun Kelly, because Machine Gun Kelly was coming up in the ranks um, towards the end here because it's just that new album of his, The Beatles. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's funny how far back Blink-182 is. I feel like I listen to a lot more Blink-182 than what they're giving me credit for. Maybe Apple Music's algorithm is just screwy. So that's why there's some weird issues with yours. I, I don't know. I mean, I I won't deny I did listen to the Power Music workout playlist like a ton because I was, don't judge me, I was getting to the point where I was working out like twice a day, every day. And so I won't deny that I was listening to it a lot. But like, it's just weird that they wouldn't use like the artists from that. Like a lot of them are remixes, so I get it. But I just, I, that one I just thought was weird. I don't know. Mine I just don't feel like is as cool because I just feel like it's not as accurate, I guess. Yeah, I don't that's the thing. That's I don't understand why it said that entire playlist came up as an artist. That that seems very weird. I maybe you should email um Tim Tim Cook and ask him why the thing is screwy. I was about to call him Did you pers- call him Tim Apple? I almost called him Tim Apple, yes. <laughs> I am dying. You almost called him Tim Apple. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Sporty Nation, I don't know if you heard my heard me in my inflection there, but yes, that slight pause in saying his last name was because I said I almost said Tim Apple. God damn you, Donald Trump. Uh, it's because you you make the joke enough times. You make fun of it enough times, you almost end up saying it yourself. And I almost called him Steve Jobs, too. But poor Steve Jobs has been dead for a while, so. Yeah, well, that's that's its its own sadness. Apple hasn't really come out with anything innovative since he died. But they do perfect, perfect the innovations that other people have. Like, other companies will come out with something innovative, and then... It won't really be the greatest. Like there, there's a little issues with it, and then Apple will perfect it and put it out themselves. So, like as much as like big like Apple fans we both are, like we, we can admit to the fact that they haven't actually really come out with anything innovative since Steve Jobs died. And does it say on your on your replay there? Because it says on mine that I listened to 137 hours of music. Does it say how much you listen to? Because I feel like you listen to a lot more music than I do. See, that's what it doesn't say on mine. This is very irritating. Oh, um, wait, it says 146. Oh, so that wasn't too much, too much more. How many, how much was yours? 137. 137. Oh yeah, that's not too much more. I do listen to a lot of music though. Um, when it said the, the different artists, how many different artists was yours? 53. Let's see here. Three, oh, 332. You're going to shit yourself when I tell you mine. 
615. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. 615. Maybe that's why the power music workout playlist just, they, they're like, there's so many, we can't do this. We just need to throw a playlist at her. They were done. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, because I feel like 300 artists is a lot to listen to in a year, but I, I guess not from a lot of people. So, um, so yeah, I mine was uh, 332 artists, hundred and what, what did I say, 137 hours. Which, as I've said again, that's less than an hour of music per day. I've seen others who are like ten times as much. I'm like, I don't. Because the only times I listen to music are if I'm in the car, usually, or if I'm working out. I don't usually listen to music other than those two times. So allow me to unveil my list of artists here. Now, I was a, <laughs> I was a little shocked to see who was at the top of this list because they haven't put out a new album recently. And, and if you... And most of this was just because of one song, which I played on a loop. So my top listened to artist this year was 21 Pilots. Um, I listened to them for eight hours in 2020. And the wild thing is, is that, like I said, most of that is due to one song. So when I go and look at my top listened songs, they only show up on there twice. And that just goes to show you how much I listened to Level of Concern this year, which was their single that they put out this year, which is a banger of a song. And so 21 Pods came in first. The Killers came in second because they put out a new album this year that I listened to. And then number three is a a band that came out with their first full-length album this year that I really enjoyed. And I feel like you would actually really like as well. They're a band out of Australia, I believe, called Stand Atlantic. And they remind me a lot of Paramore. They're kind of that same type of genre, that kind of punkish type genre, but not really punk. But is is also fronted by a female lead singer. And so I listened to that for six hours this year. Great album. If I, I recommend it. The name of the album is called Pink Elephant. It was my most listened to album this year. And I, I, I listen to them all the time. I love listening to them when I work out. I love listening to them just in the car. Like they'll pop on. Like that's the first song that will come on when I, a lot of times when I start my car. So I, if you, if you're listening, wanting new music sport nation, I, I recommend listening to stand Atlantic. I, I think you'd really enjoy them. So you said punk, but not really punk mm-hmm. paramore to me is the epitome of punk so are they punk but not really punk or are are they like paramore or or do they have paramore likeness but they're not fully like paramore i think because they're a mix of the older og paramore which is a lot more punk and then the newer paramore which is a lot more poppy type style and they're kind of Stand Atlantic's a good mix of the two. And, and I say Paramore because of the female lead, lead singer, too. Well, that's what, like, female lead singers, like, female lead singers like, can can kill in, like, a, um, 
a punk sense or a hard rock sense. Um, like Flyleaf was always like on the edge of like that, like screamo. Um, and they were a lot like harder rock and Flyleaf was always really good. Um, you can have really good female lead singers in rock and, um, they can just kill it. So I'll, I'll have to listen to it. I'll have to see. This is very intriguing. So yeah, go. I, I, I think you'd really enjoy them. I think they're right up your alley. In fact, I was kind of surprised that I liked them so much, but, um, and then as far as my top listen to, um, songs, again, level of concern was number one. Also a lot of stand Atlantic in there, some Eminem in there, some strokes in there. They had a really great album this year. And I was very yeah. impressed that you had some Eminem in there. Yes. In fact, he was my number three most listened to album this year, Music to be Murdered by by Eminem number three. Um, so, th- yeah, there you go. I think I had a really nice mixture of music this year. Um, this is – I feel like your your music has grown, Richie. I'm very yes. proud of your music. I feel like you've kind of gone outside of your normal borders of – what um what you would genu- generally listen to um i mean there is certain songs like uh kryptonite came on like when i'm in the car i'll listen to Sirius, and like um kryptonite came on and i thought of you right away but um i'm just really glad that you've expanded your horizons and and i'm, I'm very impressed by this because we have gone from the point where when you drove to comic-con last time the only thing that i could really play on a loop in the car on the way there was the uh, Black Panther soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. So I'm just saying we, we've come a long ways from those days. Mm-hmm. Because there's only so many times I could listen to, to Three Doors Down. And then a lot of the other stuff was stuff I, I either didn't like or hadn't heard of. And, and now we've gotten to a point where there there is a nice middle there where there's stuff that we can agree on and yeah i try to i i mix it up uh, a lot more because i'll listen to like my the new music playlist a little bit and that's how i'll gain some some new uh new artists and stuff like that um i'll listen to some local artists i like doing that so my music is ever expanding and i i hope to continue that into 2021 too and for the love of goodness i i hope we can actually go to concerts again in 2021 because i miss concerts more than i do sporting events i miss concerts a lot too like i and i and i really just want to go to like not not like a festival like full blown like a like a coachella type festival i just want to go to like one of the smaller festivals and like there was one that was supposed to be this year that had all time low in it and, and Kat and I were wanting to go to it and we didn't get to go to it. So I really want one with all time low in it because I feel gypped. I I wonder if they are, if they have announced that they're, if they're doing that same concert tour again, let me see. I'm going to look it up here. So, so bear with me for a second, but yeah, actually I kind of like, you know I'm not a punk person at all. I don't really like All Time Low at all. But I like going to concerts. So I'm sure I would have enjoyed going to uh, a concert for a band I'm not quite fond of. But well, like live music is still live music no matter who the band is. Well, so I have kind of convinced you and Kat to listen to the new Machine Gun Kelly 
album. If he was to tour, would you go to that concert with me? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I, I like... That I like been... so I don't like every song on his new album, but I like a few of them. So I, I feel like he would be a very entertaining artist to see live, for sure. Who knows? Uh, Megan Fox might be backstage. Hey! Might get a glimpse. That would be super fun. Also, I'm like... I also just looked it up, and Sad Summerfest, which was the name of the the concert, including All Time Low, that was supposed to be here in Phoenix this year, not on Phoenix is not on the schedule for for 2021 at least yet. Boo. So, how That's just yeah for what it's worth. So okay, so that has been our music talk for the day, Sporty Nation. We hope you enjoyed that. If you're listening to us, why not go hundred, go on and share with us the um. Uh, what your Spotify wrapped was for, for 2020 or your Apple music playlist for 2020. Uh, Cause I'm curious to see how Corey and I stack up to the rest of you. Okay. So let's get into some ASU hockey here, Corey. Now they've been, on, they've been on TV a couple times this year. Haven't had a chance to watch them yet up until this week when Corey and I were both able to watch the game, the second game against Notre Dame, because it was on NBC Sports Network, and it was a fun game to watch, albeit a very, very frustrating one. ASU came out shit, fell down two goals early in the game, then scored four straight goals to take the lead into the third period, four to two. And then they just flat out shit the bed in the third period and lost the game with five seconds left to go in regulation. And they suffered a 5-4 to four loss on the road to Notre Dame fighting Irish. Notre Dame coming into that series was a top 20 team in the country, as was ASU too. And um, what a weird game it was, Corey. But what was your biggest takeaway from that ASU game that we, we, we watched? Well, there's a few things that I had like uh, a takeaway from it. One of them being, uh, we always joke about two goal leads being the worst leads in hockey. And that genuinely was the story of that, this game. Like it was uh, the fighting Irish had a two goal lead. They gave it up to ASU. ASU had a two goal lead and then they gave it up to Notre Dame. So it was definitely the, uh, that was one of those situations for sure. Um, the other thing that I had kind of tweeted about during it was, um, can we have at least one Arizona team, a hockey team here that can convert on power plays? Because this team went into this game one in 22 on, uh, power play conversions, which is absolutely terrible. And, uh, they did, they were able to uh, score a power play goal in that game, um, but they weren't able to score on the five on three that they had. So, I mean, that is definitely frustrating. And the fact that, you know, you don't necessarily have to convert on every power play, but you need to establish time in the zone and you need to um, be able to 
essentially just have a good enough movement and a strong enough of a power play to create momentum going into the rest of the period. And so I I just didn't see enough out of them on most of their power plays during that game to feel like it was creating good momentum in their games. So that was another thing that was kind of frustrating. And then the fact, too, that they have this tendency of pushing um, pushing players into their own goaltender was a, a frustration that I was talking to you and, uh, and Kat about was basically the fact that it happened twice in that game. And um, the first one, I had thought to myself, oh, this is going to be goaltender interference. Then they showed the replay on it, and you just genuinely see ASU push um, a Notre Dame player right into their goaltender. And I was like, never mind, this isn't going to be goaltender interference because of the fact that he was pushed into the crease. So it's that was also really frustrating to watch. And it just it's going to be difficult for this team considering the fact that, you know, this is a very long road trip and it's going to be very exhausting. Um, but there's, I hope that they use this to kind of work on some of the shortcomings that this team has because of the fact that they do have the potential to be so good. Um, there's some like, it's, there's some quirks about this team though, like in the fact that of their power play and the fact that too, um, they have been outshot in every game this season. Um, yet, you know, they were, they're still able to get enough goals to win. And then they, you had sent me a stat. What was it? it they had 18 goals in the past four games. Is that what it was? Yeah. Here's in the last four games total. Now they've scored. Uh, let's see. That's 11, 17. They've scored 21 goals in four games now. So they they are they're efficient. They may get outshot each game, but they're incredibly efficient when they when they do get their shots off. Um, after watching this game, I'm I, I think it may be an issue, a D issue, honestly. Um, but you know, as long as they have, it's going to require some stronger D and and some strong goaltending to keep them into some of these games because of the fact that if they continue to be outshot in every game in the season, it's, it's difficult to set yourself up for, up for wins, even though you, when you are very efficient um, offensively, but yeah, I think there's a couple of little quirks in this team that if they can make some, some changes to, and they can kind of clean some stuff up, it'll make a huge difference with this team. It's not easy for them to be um, the, I guess, honorary big 10 team right now. Um, it, that's not really a, an easy uh, conference to be playing in, but they're showing that ASU is is a strong team and the fact that they should be where they are, that it's really great in the short amount of time that we've seen this team grow and we've seen them go from, you know, um, being in the NCAA without a conference and then like half in a conference, half out of a conference and doing all they you know, there's so much that's, been going on with this team and they don't have an arena yet and they're on the road the the fact that they have all these different idiosyncrasies about like what's going on around them as a team and still being able to pull this out 
is honestly pretty impressive. And, and it's impressive too. in the fact that, um, um, Greg powers, you know, didn't really have, he has been with this team for years, but he didn't really have the, the coaching knowledge at this level. And the fact that he's been able to adapt to this way and that he has been focusing on this team's culture, I think has been great too. So it's, it's an interesting team and it's impressive just to see the way that they've grown, but there's definitely some some things that need to be tweaked with this team to make them the team that can be extremely competitive. And uh, going back to that interference call on that, that fourth goal of the game by Notre Dame, which was the game-tying goal, Greg Powers, after the game, disagreed with the decision. He said that they think that Jansen, Jansen's pushed him into Brady but you can't just camp out in the crease like that. You have to get out. Notre Dame skater didn't get out, and he impeded the fight to make the save. I'll go to my grave thinking that should not have counted. Now, of course, Greg Powers, former goaltender. Okay, so we have to keep that in mind. He was the uh, goaltender at ASU back in the 90s, and so it's not entirely shocking that he's going to have the goaltenders back in this case, but – I don't know if you agree with me. It was clearly goaltender interference, in my opinion. And they did not end up uh, – or, yeah, it was clearly um, not – ASU clearly pushed the guy into the own net. So it clearly was a good no call, and it was a good goal as far as I'm concerned. So I – and to me, that's just – again, you make one mistake like that, then it's a mistake, okay? You can get over it. But like you said, when you go and you do it again on the game-winning goal – and you essentially do the same thing, then that it becomes an issue with coaching and execution at the same time. And then, then that becomes a problem. Granted, they did not end up looking at that for goaltender interference, but they ended up looking at it for offsides. But it still played a part in that play, and it played a part in Notre Dame coming up with that win. And, uh, you know, for ASU, like Greg Power said, he said it was a tale of two periods. I thought we were as good as we could possibly be in the second, and they were as good as they could possibly be in the third, and that's exactly what happened. ASU came out, they scored three goals in that second period. They looked as good as I've ever seen them play offensively at the NCAA level. And because we know this team in previous iterations, they just weren't good enough offensively to really contend at the NCAA level. They were pretty much all defense and goaltending. And now to see their offense start to come alive like they have over the last five games is a very, very good thing for ASU. So, again, when you come on the road like this, like they are, and like we said in the last episode, for more than an entire month of the season, and you come away winning three out of four games against two really good teams, that's a good thing. You're going to take that more often than not, and you're going to take that going to continuing that road trip uh, against, against Penn State. I mean, and also, too, like, um, well, uh, first going back to what Greg Power said about the fact that um, the Notre Dame player uh, stayed in the crease after he was pushed into the crease. Uh, yes, I will agree with that. I did notice that as well. However, um, I just feel like as soon as I saw that and the way that we've all seen um, goaltender interference calls over the years, as soon as he pushed him in there, I, I just felt like they were going to negate it. it. It just, it's such a, um, it's such a gray area that, that type of, I, and people will always try to annihilate me when I say this, but I genuinely feel like 
goaltender interference is such a gray area and but there are certain things that will automatically turn it into a situation that that you kind of already know where they're going to call it and and if that player gets pushed in there I just feel like nine times out of ten no matter how long that person camps in there afterwards they are going to say that it's not goaltender interference because of the fact that he didn't enter into the crease under his own fruition. So that that's just um, my opinion on that part. But um, as for uh, everything else with our long trip and everything like that, um, you have to give a shout out to um, ASU's athletic department and the fact that this trip, um, according to an article that Craig Morgan had put out, is going to cost them $200,000. And the fact that the athletic department was willing to put in that money to have this team do this and to really um, buy in essentially to their hockey team, I think is, is a big deal. I mean, they've gotten some breaks and some stuff and that article, it said they were able to stay at some pretty nice places for 89 to $99 a night because of the fact that uh, they, you know, it's COVID. So people aren't really staying at hotels. And so that they've caught some breaks in those situations, but um, you know, the fact that, one, the athletic department's willing to to shell out the money for it. And two, the fact that they were able to budget things well enough to, you know, keep these guys in, in, in nicer places and fed and all these things. And to make all of this work is, is honestly astonishing. You know, they even had like in that article, like what plan they had with like Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. Like they, they had it all figured out. Like it's, quite a uh, undertaking to take on the fact that they got all of this together and were able to make it possible, especially in like today's climate is pretty cool. And so far, apparently they've done it without any positive COVID tests too, which is quite impressive in my opinion. And they, in Craig's article, he talks about how, how they are trying to make sure that they followed those rules as much as possible, which is, you know, getting in and out, in and out of elevators with just teammates and, and not other people and, and, and those types of things. Here it says, in Michigan and Wisconsin, the hotel staff served the Sun Devils their meals and to-go boxes, which they were required to take back to their rooms to eat due to local restrictions. Um, and no, at Notre Dame, apparently they were allowed to eat together. So that's also impressive. And we've seen COVID's impact on NCAA already, obviously, because in Wisconsin, we talked about how, you know, they were missing four of their top players because of COVID, uh, because of COVID. So um, if they can get through this entire road trip healthy and without any COVID problems or issues and with a winning record and by continuing to score goals, um, ASU's, the rest of ASU season is going to be looking up for, for them, they were fun to watch in that game against Notre Dame, and uh, I think they will continue to be fun to watch for the rest of the season. Again, their next game coming up is against Penn State, which is coming up in a few days, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the schedule here in front of me, unfortunately, but that's their next next couple of games. Okay, so. We have some uh, a little bit of coyotes to talk about here. Um, really quickly before we go to that, I have a question 
that I wanted to ask you really quickly. Okay. Um, this had like come up in a conversation of Scotty and I watching the game, and I wanted your opinion on it. Mm-hmm. So at Notre Dame, they have separate benches. So Notre Dame was on one side, and um, ASU was on the other side of the ice. Like they're not next to each other as we would traditionally see them. And um, Notre Dame's is right next to where the penalty box is. Do you believe that that is a big advantage to the home team? Um, well, it, it can be, right? I just, just like it, at him, by the way. He had no idea this was coming, so he yeah, had no idea. To just like, well, I... Well, it just like any situation, if you're the home team, you're going to have the advantage because of where your benches are lined up. So you don't have to change as far in your as far as where you're set up in your zone. So I I I I don't see because I think they were essentially the same. They were on opposite sides, yes, but they were still essentially how it normally is set up, which is your home team is going to be on your on one on your that same side. So I don't I don't see how that played any difference. I don't think the teams right. talked about it at all. I thought I thought it was weird because I, I mentioned it to Kat when we were watching the game. I was like, oh that's weird. I wonder if they because I I'm assuming they changed that especially for COVID and they put teams on the opposite sides. Um well uh, I hadn't I hadn't really seen it but Sky said when when they would play teams on the East Coast that there were a lot of East Coast teams that actually did have uh, their ranks set up that way. Um, but one of the things that we had talked about was the fact that, um, with the penalty box being that close to your bench, you have the advantage of the fact that, um, that person can literally just skate two feet over and be back at the bench and another person can come out. Whereas if you wanted to switch out people, um, from the other side, that person would have to skate all the way across the ice to get to the bench. This is yes. This I guess this is true. Yes. It, it was just it was something that like we don't normally see, and I just I just thought it was an interesting uh, topic of discussion because of the fact that like at least we here in Arizona don't see it too often. Yeah, I'm. That's an interesting point you brought up because I I hadn't thought about it myself, and I don't think I don't know if the teams obviously I don't think they thought about it. at least I haven't seen anything talked about anybody with that. So yeah, interesting. Very interesting. But yes, now we now we can talk about coyotes. I, I just had to throw a little uh throw a little brain teaser in there for you before we moved on to anything else. You know, I like to surprise Richie, keep him on his toes every so often. Yeah, I mean I surprise you all the time with random shit, so you can you can throw me off once in a while. That's perfectly fine by me. So our coyotes topic on this episode is gonna be something that we're gonna do. I think we're gonna pick one Per week, per week, and we'll discuss it on the Thursday episode as we apparently are basically about, allegedly, about a month away-ish until training camp start in the NHL and we get the season underway, hopefully. So I've lined up a couple of different things. The worst Coyote story of 2020, the best Coyote story of 2020, the most memorable Coyotes thing of 2020, and the Coyotes thing in 2020 you'd like to forget. Those are my categories so far. Um, if Sporting Nation, if you have any suggestions, go ahead and toss them our way. 
Um, so I am going to let you decide, Corey, which of those categories would you like to talk about first? I mean, I feel like we should get the the worst out first. And I think part of it, too, is because of the fact that, like, I when I was reading these, when you would put them in a rundown, the the worst coyote story of 2020 was was the first thing that came into my mind. Like, I already knew exactly what it was. And I, I didn't even really have to flinch about it. I mean, there is an honorable second, I feel like. Um, but I would definitely say the the worst coyote story of 2020 was uh, the John Chica story. And the honorable mention would be, um, gosh, I've even already forgot his name. Um, the fourth round draft pick. Mitchell Miller? At this point. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so I, I have to Yeah. I would have to agree with you that the worst coyote story of twenty twenty for me is the John Chica thing. Um because it was um like having your GM basically just quit on you right before the playoffs start isn't good. And still having to scramble to find a replacement isn't good. And luckily, they, I think they've since recovered from that with the tenure of Bill Armstrong so far. He's done a, a, a nice job in that in that role so far. And I think you and I both agree that the Coyotes will be better off with with him in the front office. And yeah, just if you if you if you think about it from the hockey perspective, that was the worst thing to happen to him is to have the GM just up and quit and throw that team into turmoil when they didn't need it was. Um, I think that is the easy answer for that. Now, some of these could be kind of similar things. When I say worst Coyote story and the Coyote's thing in 2020 you'd like to forget, I kind of basically thought of that as the on-ice thing and the off-ice thing type of thing. Um, so, yeah, the John Chica thing to me was the the top kind of storyline for the Coyotes in 2020, I think. Yeah, it, and it just, it was, it sucked because of the fact that I felt like it affected the team on ice because of the fact that, you know, they were heading straight to, um, into a bubble to play for plans to get into the playoffs and all that stuff. And that that's really rough to, you know, get on a plane and head to somewhere that you're going to be in a bubble for for who knows how long and you're playing games that are extremely important after you know you just had like some time off essentially and you know you're leaving your families during a rough time and oh and by the way your GM has just bailed on the team it was just such shitty timing on top of everything else though I, I I would definitely say that 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 one was one of the worst because it affected so many things on and off the ice and the fact that like it you can't really like you know they always say you have to have like tunnel vision on things and just really like put on the blinders and get rid of everything else but when you have something that's that big that's going on it's always going to affect you in some way and uh the fact that they were able to get through it overall and and make it into the playoffs was was huge, but I, I definitely think it definitely took a toll on that team. Yeah, I think you you could tell it did too, right? Because that was the that was the biggest storyline. That was what 
the players were getting asked as they were ramping up to get ready for the playoffs as they were getting asked about John Chica and the GM situation instead of being able to focus on getting ready for their series against Nashville, then obviously Colorado. And, and just like, yeah, even if you just think like that made a impact around the NHL, it just wasn't a story that was insular to the coyotes. How many podcasts did we have to go on at the time to try and explain things? Right. We went on what four different fucking shows to explain what was going on with the coyotes in relation to John Chica. And, and it was kind of the same way with the Mitchell Miller thing too, but I feel like the Mitchell Miller thing is going to have less of an impact on the Coyotes in the future because he's gone. As we talk about on the show, he's gone. He's in the back memory. Coyotes do not have to worry about that garbage anymore. Whereas the John Chica thing, I think will still have lasting impacts because he was the one that built the roster. And a lot of these players are still John Chica's players. He was the guy under whose regime was their scouting department committed violations that have cost them draft picks that now Bill Armstrong has to deal with. And for me, that is why the John Tiger thing is going to have a longer impact on this team than say the Mitchell Miller thing, which is again, one of the other, the other big storyline that he's had over this offseason, really in 2020 that didn't get good headlines. And uh, so I'm glad we agree on that at least. Yeah, well, and you got to think of the avalanche that it created as well, because so there, there was the the John Chica story that came out, and then it like it came out that he was he was leaving, and then it came out um, with both sides where he had kind of said stuff, and the Coyotes had said stuff, and then it went from that to the verdict had come down on the violations that um, his his team had uh, had violated, and um, and then. From there, it went to the Mitchell Miller thing, and and I don't know who we still don't know who exactly from his team was still around for that pickup and all that stuff. I just feel like there is so much lingering after he left, and how much stuff gets drug out after that that creates so many issues, and it all kind of seemed to stem from his his leaving and um, the violations that they had done before that. So it's, it just kind of seemed to be the epicenter of, of all the shit essentially. So that's our first installment of what we, should we call this 2020 coyotes corner? Ooh, that, that's cool. I was going to say, uh, I was say Coyotes recap, but y- you know, your sounds a lot cooler because it sounds like my Corey's corner. So yeah, it's alliteration. Everybody loves alliteration. So that's what we're going to call this segment. It's called 2020 Coyotes corner where we wrap up all the big stories on and off the ice for the Coyotes in the year 2020. Welcome. My name is Brad Lieb. I am a former professional hockey player, and this is the Life After Hockey podcast. This is the place where I'll be interviewing former players and exploring their life after hockey journeys, including their successes, challenges, and the causes that they are passionate about. So please 
Join me on the Hockey Podcast Network every Saturday for new episodes and follow me on Twitter at Brad M. Lieb for all my podcast updates. And until then, keep going and enjoy your life. Okay, are you ready to end the show, Corey, with some more random shit? I promise I'm not going to talk about vaginas on this episode. <laughs> yes, thank you. Although you were owed a vagina in there. I was thinking that after we had done it was you were owed a vagina after all of the dick stories. Exactly. And I promised that on the show when I talked about when we talked about the penis story, I was like, Next week, I will I, uh, I will come up with something boob-related, but instead of boobs, I went I went downstairs instead. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? I, I, I kind of gave you free reign on it, so... So you're welcome, Sporty Nation. No, no vagine talk here on this episode. Instead, we're going to talk about PlayStation 5 to kick off this this episode's random shit let's go to taiwan where a taiwanese man was forced to part with his playstation 5 after his wife discovered that he had lied to her about it being an air purifier this heartbreaking news comes from the of jin Wu, who turned out to be the lucky recipient of sony's next-gen console Wu detailed his interaction on facebook claiming that one day after he after agreeing to buy the PlayStation 5 from a reseller in person, he called the individual he believed to be a man on the phone only to hear a woman pick up. After his brief conversation with the mysterious woman, Wu could ascertain that she didn't know much about the PS5 but was adamant about selling it, even at a remarkably low price. While he doesn't specify just how cheap he was willing to go, the digital edition costs $399 and the Blu-ray costs $499. When he arrived to the agreed pickup spot, Wu greeted by a middle-aged Wu was greeted by a middle-aged man. The two discussed how he was able to get his hands on such a highly sought-after device. Um, Wu remembers asking the man who fell silent before coming forward with the truth, saying, "My wife wants to sell it because she thought it was an air humidifier, but it was not." <laughs> what the hell, lady? Like, I, 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 so what? He lied and said it was, like, an air purifier and it wasn't. But, like, I am not even kidding you. I, I've been all kinds of pissed off trying to get the Xbox Series X. Literally wanted to till, to, to till, to kill Walmart the other day because they, they did nothing to, uh, stop bought from just taking all of the Xbox Series X's, like, literally, I think it was right as it dropped. Like, it, it went to the screen, I was like, oh dear, and then you refresh again, and it was like, and they're sold out. And and I had, like, three devices up trying to get it. And, um, so the fact that he was able to get one is damn impressive. She should have just been impressed by the fact that he, that he had the new PlayStation and been like, hey, if you if you worked that hard that you were able to get that, good for you. Because it's it's been a shit show for both the new PlayStation and the new Xbox. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I... First off, how the fuck does Sony and Microsoft not understand the demand that's going to be there for these things and not produce more of them? 
right? That's what I've been saying this entire time. Like, and, and it was one of those where like, I, I genuinely had to tell my boyfriend like, hey, this is what I'm trying to get you for Christmas. And then I had to like have him in on it. So that way he could like, we could both be looking for dates when it would drop and like, um, we could both like use our phones and, and our laptops and like all sorts of stuff. And it just, I had literally like almost driven myself crazy, like looking on Twitter under the like Xbox Series X like tag on Twitter. I was going through like all of them. And then they're having like, they, they made Call of Duty, right? See, here you go. Mm-hmm. All of, all of the, the guys that listen to our show that know about all this shit, they're going to they're gonna understand all this stuff because I've learned so much recently. Um, Call of Duty came out with uh, their newest game and uh, it literally sounds like it's murdering your Xbox. Like, it makes this noise that, like, it goes... And then it just shuts off. And it scares the shit out of me every time it happens. And so that happens to the new ones and the old ones. Because they have, like, some error in in their new game. And so I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Because there's people that are pissed off about that. That are complaining and that thing. So then I tried, like, just the, the, the launch. Like, I forgot what I added in there. It was, like drops or whatever and those weren't enough so i needed to go back to it so i was literally sifting through people getting pissed off about call of duty fucking up their xbox um and you know all these bots taking all the drops and everything i literally was driving myself so insane that eventually i just gave up and we've decided to get it later um but it has been a complete shit show for like both of them and i i don't I don't get why you would do that. Like, even if that was the case where you wanted to sell it, sell it for good money because people are like, the Xbox I know is 500. I'm sure the PlayStation is about the same. Um, so, and people are selling it for like $750 because of the fact that they, they don't have enough demand and people are wanting to give them to people for Christmas. Considering the fact that they're going to have a bunch more, you know, a few months from now, um, I'd rather just wait and pay normal price for it but it just it's complete insanity people were camping on um in like one guy actually i forgot where it was was it pennsylvania took out an actual like bed and was like sleeping out in front of a gamestop because they were going to um have them only in their stores on black friday um but each store had to have a minimum of two Xboxes and two Playstations. So you didn't know if they had any more than two, so you had to be at least one of the first two people in line in order to get them. So they were full-blown camping out during COVID for these freaking Xboxes. I just don't understand, like I get it's COVID, but you've had people um, sitting at home playing PlayStation, Xbox, and all that stuff for like almost a year now what do you think people are going to do when the new one drops they're going to want it because of the fact that um because of the fact that that's what they've been doing so they're going to be really excited and especially since there's more um quarantines and stuff that are going on they're going to want it and the fact that you guys can't produce enough of them and then they're like still promoting the shit out of them and you can't even get them anywhere 
but then they're allowing bots to just go and take them all. And this is, I'm sorry, you guys have had to hear my rant, but I just, I got so pissed about this because I tried really hard to get one. And I, I literally like my boyfriend looked at me and was just like, you know what? Just get me something else because it's going to drive you insane. Because it did. It literally drove me up a fucking wall. <laughs> and with that, we're going to do one more story here before we get out of here because we're running a little bit long. And it's this. A woman has suffered hallucin hallucinations, insomnia, and incontinence for months after she ate five-day-old sushi from a service station. Medics treating the 34-year-old only identified as JC were left bamboozled as to what was causing her illness until they eventually discovered the problem living in her gut. A giant tapeworm had been lurking in her stomach for not one, not two, not three, not four, but nine whole months. Her symptoms started after she arrived home late from work and realized she hadn't eaten all day, so she picked up some sushi. She'd bought five days ago from a service station. She said the fish did taste a little sour, but she put soy sauce on it to mask it out. Oh my god, is That's it disgusting? Disgusting. Yes. That's disgusting on so many levels. Why would you buy that? And you never buy sushi from from a service station. That's just you don't do that for one, and for two, you buy sushi. You have to buy it like within two days you have to eat it within two days like mm -hmm. i just no fish is not one of those things that you let just sit around so for five days and from a gas station mm -mm. nope that just screamed tapeworm jc spent months suffering with malnutrition incontinence sleepless nights anxiety and hallucinations of bugs crawling up the walls and underneath her skin <laughs> Woo, baby this is a, a, a PSA, everybody. Do not eat shitty sushi. Uh, okay, so doctors clock the tapeworm as, as Dithylobothrium latum, one of the largest that can infect humans and a species that can grow up to nine meters long. The parasite loves vitamin B12 and is known to compete with humans and infects for the nutrient, which is exactly what had been doing to JC, effectively starving her nerves and cells of an essential building block. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's insane. Mm-hmm. This is a real story. Yeah. No, sounds completely awful. No, no, no. I mean, I, and tapeworms are real, you know? Like, that that's an actual thing, and people get them, and, and they're gross and whatnot, but, like... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, that is... Mm-mm. Nope. You only... I can't even tell you how much... Like, sushi is one of those things that's very particular. Only buy it from nice places, and eat it very soon. That just, oh god, that just sounds terrible. And what makes you think, like, oh, yes, eh, this fish is really sour, but uh, I'm just gonna put some soy sauce on it and pretend like it's not. You know, she, she, learned her yeah. she learned her lesson, didn't she? Yeah, in a terrible way. 
And uh, there you go, Sporting Nation. That's going to wrap up this episode. Do you have anything else before we leave? Don't eat five-day-old sushi. Until Monday, Sporting Nation. Good night and good hockey, everybody.